This is the West Concord Sermon Podcast. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you receive a blessing from today's message. I'm excited this morning. We're going to go ahead and talk about God. And I know when you say that, people say, but wait a minute, Pastor, that's what we do at church, isn't it? We talk about God. Isn't that what we are here for, talking about God? Well, yes, but we're going to get specific about God the Father. And I'm calling this study for the next few weeks, God 101. God 101. Because we're going to focus on who is God? What is God? Why does it matter to me? And so it's so necessary that we understand these things. As a matter of fact, the uh, medieval philosopher, Thomas Aquinas, the Christian philosopher, said this. He said, a small error in the beginning of something is a great one at the end. In other words, if you make a small error at the beginning of doing anything, by the time you're finished doing it, it will create a greater problem. For instance, if you're pointing a bow and arrow and you just go off trajectory just a half an inch from where you are, When you fire that arrow, it could be several feet away from the target that you're shooting at. And more often than not, we come to God and we come away with God or through God or in God with all sorts of ideas and thoughts. And especially in today's culture, as we go online and as we get social media and people's ideas and thoughts, we tend to lean one way or another. We tend to get influenced by things like that. And here's the thing. We need to make sure that when we're thinking about God, when we're following God, when we're trying to walk with Him and be faithful to Him, we need to make sure we understand just who God is. And that's difficult. It reminds me of an old uh, cartoon. And this is sort of an old thing that's been going around for probably a couple of hundred years. As people begin to try to understand God, more often than not, it's like blind men trying to touch and feel an elephant and then say what it is. Imagine putting a blindfold on and going up and being told to touch something or feel something. And can you imagine blind men not seeing and then going up and having an elephant to go and experience? You might have somebody grab the tail and say, it's a snake. Somebody else might be feeling on the side of the elephant and say, no, no, it's a wall. Somebody else might be going down feeling the foot of an elephant and say, no, it's not a wall, it's a tree. And then even somebody else holding the elephant's ear, why, it's a fan. And of course, finally, somebody getting a hold of the elephant's trunk saying, it's a hose. And in reality, all of those blind, sightless men are touching and feeling the same thing But because they're blind and because they're sightless, they come away with all kinds of different thoughts and all kinds of different ideas as to what they're touching. And more often than not, when people talk about God and when people investigate God, we often go in with blinders on and we come away with all sorts of thoughts and feelings about God. This, by the way, is why you have so many different religions in the world. And I know that people will say, well, all religions lead to God. No, that is not true. Because if you examine all the human religions out there today, all of them are quite contradictory to one another. They can't all be true. It goes against the logical law of contradiction. 
Two things that disagree can't both be right. And so as we are going to look at God, what we are going to try to do is go to His Word and get a real picture of God, get a real understanding of who God is and what God is about. We need to stop trying to close our eyes and feel our way. We need to go wide open, eyes open, and see about Him. So for the next few weeks, we're going to talk about God. I love this quote that I grabbed online. This author says this. He says, It is essential that our ideas of God correspond as nearly as possible to what He is really like. Instead, often we put God in a box, and our box is incredibly small. We tend to let our culture or our politics instead of our Creator, determine what we value. Those values influence our thoughts about God and shape the way we relate to Him in our daily experience. See, how we understand God will determine how we, especially we as believers, go about living our lives for Him. Oftentimes, we have the false expectations of God that make us frustrated. Oftentimes, we share things about God to other people, maybe things that we've heard somebody say that somebody said that God said that are wrong. And we end up sending out falsehood instead of truth. So if we're going to walk with the Lord, if we're going to follow Him, if we're going to honor God, we need to know Him. And that involves two things. We need to know about Him, yes, but we also need to intimately know Him. We're going to shoot for both in the next few weeks. And as we get ready to jump in the Word of God, we're going to seek His face as we look into His Word to find out about Him. So would you bow with me? Father, we thank You for this time together. Father, we thank You, Lord, that You have revealed Yourself to us. That, Father, truly through through Your revelation in the general world around us, And in your revelation, in the word before us, Father, you have let us know who you are, what you are, and what you're about. Father, we thank you that you loved us enough and cared for us enough to tell us these things. So, Father, help us, Lord, to take the blindfolds off this morning and help us to seek you, not through someone else's opinion and not through the filter of culture, politics, or media, but help us to seek you. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, when you do this, often when you're getting to know someone or you're wanting to get to know someone, sometimes it's nice if you can just have a direct encounter with them instead of what, you know, maybe like a blind date. How many, let's, let's, let's see if people are going to be honest. How many of y'all have ever been on a blind date before? Look at people are looking at their while. I'm not going to say. Okay. Blind dates are scary. I remember when I was in college, I remember I had buddies. Oh, Mike, we're all going to such and such tonight. We've got a girl for you. (laughs) Well, what's she about? Well, she's real nice. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Or maybe, ladies, you got the same thing. Blind dates are always scary. You'd rather see the person. You'd rather get to know them before you actually go out with them. And it's the same way. It's it's, it's, You want to know somebody. And wouldn't it be nice... If we could have just a direct encounter with God, if God would just lay out who He is and what He's about, well, guess what? He's done that. 
As a matter of fact, I want you to take your Bibles and go with me to the book of Job this morning. Back in the Old Testament, the book of Job, the book of the Bible which most Bible scholars believe is actually the oldest book in the Bible. Because Job actually lived some 500 years before Moses. Job lived at the time of Abraham, about the second millennium B.C. We know that through external and internal evidence of the book. And so in Job, we have the earliest recorded encounter with God. Now Moses, of course, through his books, takes us all the way back to creation in the inspired writ. But Job gives us that early encounter. And most of us here are familiar with Job's story. If you've never read the book of Job, I want to encourage you this week to read it. 42 chapters, it won't take you long. Just sit down and read the book of Job. The book of Job is a very interesting book. As a matter of fact, the whole Bible is the Word of God and timely, but the book of Job's subject matter can be helpful to us, especially as we have been and are going through the COVID situation or whatever crisis of life that you're dealing with. Because that's what the book of Job is all about. Job was a good, godly man. He honored God. He was a wealthy man. Had cattle and herds and lands and had a large family. And by the standards of his day, he was considered a wealthy man. He was considered a good man. But Satan nonetheless brought a charge against him before God. And he told God, he only serves you and he only loves you because you've blessed him so much. If you took away his health and his money and his family, he would curse you to your face. Well, God said, all right, go ahead. Let's see what happens. And sure enough, Job went from being the most admired man in town to being the most pitiful man in town. He lost his wealth. He lost his family. And he lost his health. Things got so bad that his wife came to him and said, why don't you just curse God and die? Now, many people give Job's wife a hard time. Boy, I'm I'm glad I'm not married to Job's wife. Listen, let's not give Job's wife too big a, a difficulty because she was probably so hurt for her husband that she knew that perhaps by cursing God, God would kill him and put him out of his misery. That's how bad it was. And as you go through the book of Job, which is laid out in a Hebrew poetry style, Job's three friends come to give him encouragement. And they come to him and each one takes his turn telling Job what a dirty, rotten sinner he is and how much God deals with things like, oh, they went back and forth and it was like social media in person. They gave their opinions. They speechified. They preachified. And they laid it out before Job. They told Job what they thought of God and how they thought God was dealing with them and who they thought God was. And even Job had some things to say. Even Job shared his thoughts about God and and talked about God. Well, by the 40, excuse me, by the 38th chapter of Job, where we're going to pick it up this morning, God had heard enough. And so as Job finishes his little soliloquy and his friends finish their pontificating, God will now address the situation. So if it's a direct encounter with God that we want, here it is. In one of the earliest books of the Bible, one of the first encounters with God, here it is. I want you to notice this direct encounter as we go to it. 
It says in chapter 38 and verse 1 of Job, after all these things, after all these discussions, after all of these uh, bull sessions happened, it says in verse 1 of chapter 38, then the Lord answered. Stop there. Then the Lord answered. God was going to get involved in this. Notice this is a direct encounter with God, the Creator of the heavens and the earth. Then the Lord, and the word Lord there is in all caps. In Hebrew, it's Yahweh or Jehovah. It is God. Jehovah or Yahweh means the all-self-sufficient one. God was never born. God will never die in a sense. God, God has been existent for all eternity, will exist for all eternity. He, he counts on no one, depends on nothing. He exists outside, outside of space, time, and matter. God. So he decided to answer. He decided to get into this discussion. And it says, the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind. Now, as we see this thing, it says, it says he came out of the whirlwind. The direct encounter evidently came out of maybe one of two things. Earlier in the chapter, one of Job's friends said there seems like a storm approaching. So maybe that storm approaching was God's manifest presence because God is spirit. And so maybe God approached out of that storm, but also out of the whirlwind of Job's struggle. Out of the swirl of his health issues and family issues and material issues. And I say this is a timely thing because you and I have been through quite a storm, haven't we? We've been through quite a whirlwind. The whole COVID thing. Some are still dealing with it. It's not gone away just because we've got to lift some of the mask restrictions. It's still there. It's still causing issues in many people's lives. Not only that, but we've got political upheaval, racial tension. We've got, as we prayed earlier, problems in the rest of the world in the Middle East. And then stack upon that things that you and I go through personally. For some of us, this hasn't been an easy year either, just personally, if there was no COVID. We've still struggled with health issues, money issues, family issues. So, you know, not only are there physical whirlwinds, storms, but there's also the whole swirl that we live in. And by the way, let me just remind you, this world has been in a swirl ever since Adam and Eve disobeyed God and rebelled against Him in the garden. This whole pandemic is nothing new. As a matter of fact, it happened 100 years ago with the Spanish flu. And then before that, you had the Black Plague, the Bubonic Plague, We've had wars and rumors of wars. We've had, we've had political problems, racial issues ever since Adam and Eve. So yes, God does answer out of the whirlwind, but we also should, should seek God's presence out of the swirl that we're in as well. So it says in verse 1, Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, look what it says. Look at verse 2. Who is this? who darkens counsel. The word darkens in Hebrew literally means to obscure and to shade. You know, I, I'm getting up there as Richard keeps pushing me towards senior adulthood. But because I have two kids in their 20s right now, I'm hip to the kids' lingo. What? 
I understand the parlance that's going about today. For instance, throwing shade. My daughter accuses me of throwing shade all the time. In other words, saying one thing, but really, wink, wink, meaning another. And oftentimes, you know what? She's right. (laughs) And she throws it right back at me. We have a great time together. And so God is in a sense saying, who is this that, that is throwing shade, that's darkening counsel, that's causing the truth to be buried under opinion and under feeling? He says, by words without knowledge. So you have a direct encounter. And God is saying this. He's saying, who are you? Let's go to this divine question that He's asking. Who are you? Who are you? You know, I I tell you, part of being a pastor and teaching the Scriptures can be very difficult. Not because the Bible is difficult to understand, and certainly there are parts in it that are very difficult. But it's because... One of the things that I or Aaron or Richard or Sunday school teachers out here have a responsibility to do is to teach the Word of God as clearly and correctly as humanly possible. If you're a Sunday school teacher, if you are someone who of any in any way, maybe it's even in a family devotional, if you're communicating the Word of God in any way, it is our responsibility to make sure that we not only get it correctly, but share it clearly. But more often than not, the truth of God and the truth of God's Word gets lost in opinion, gets lost in spin, gets lost in emotion. And that's what was going on. Even Job got caught up into it. And so God was coming along and He began with some questions. He he came out of the swirl, this direct encounter, and it's now time to clarify things. God is going to speak for Himself. And the first question He asks again is, who is this that darkens the counsel? By words, notice this, without knowledge. You know, it's one thing when you're talking to someone about sports or about any issue and they say, you don't know what you're talking about. Can you imagine God looking at you saying, you know what, you don't know what you're talking about. But that's exactly what God was doing with Job and his friends. Put yourself in the place of Job and his friends. You're just sitting there going, like that. You're blown away because God is speaking to you. And he says, who are you that you're coming with these opinions and these thoughts? Look at verse 3. He says, now prepare yourself like a man. What does that mean? Especially in our culture today, all people get offended at that. What does that mean? Well, literally, when he says prepare yourself like a man, that phrase prepare yourself goes back to the old Hebrew idiom of put your belt on and tighten it up. Because back then, men especially, and ladies too, they dressed with a tunic that was long, kind of the under tunic, like a nightshirt. And then on top of that, they would put on a coat, which was also long, And if you had to go anywhere quickly or if you had to do any work, oftentimes you would take the skirts of that long tunic and cloak and you would tuck them into your belt and tighten it so your legs were free and your arms were free to do what they needed to do. And when he says, prepare yourself like a man, it was talking about the men were the workmen of the day. The men were the runners of the day. And it was saying, buck up is basically what God was saying. 
Or if you want to put it in today's idiom, put your big boy pants on or your big girl pants on. Get ready because here it comes. God is going to get serious here. And God wants Job to listen and be ready to hear things that might disturb him to a great extent, but most importantly, will inform him. Because you see, as the, as the author said, we like to put God in a box. Many of us think of God as the grandfatherly old man who, who's up in heaven, and when we need him, he's there, but otherwise he just winks at us and let us do, do our thing. Other people think of God as their cosmic bellboy, that they ignore him until they need him. And then all of a sudden they hammer that desk bell until he comes to get whatever baggage they want to hand him. More often than not, we think of God as provider or therapist. And we put God in our little box and we're comfortable there. Well, God was getting ready to pull the curtain of that back. God was getting ready to open that box up. And in doing so, he is going to share with Job and he's going to get tight with him. He's going to get tough with him. So that's why he was telling Job to man up. And if he was talking to a lady, he would tell her to woman up, whatever that means. But he's about ready to get serious. And he asks him, listen, you need to prepare yourself like a man. He said, now I will question you and you will answer me. Hello. Can you imagine I don't know about you, but when I was a little kid and I got in trouble, my dad would come find me. He always knew. And my dad was a big man. And where I'm light, he was dark. And my dad, as I've told you before, you know, there's that song that says she has Betty Davis eyes. My dad had Boris Karloff eyes. My dad was also military. So my dad didn't cut any junk. If I did something wrong, my dad would come and loom over me and have his hands in my pockets and look at me and say, all right, tell me the story. What did you do? Do you not know better? I would rather him beat the daylights out of me than stare at me and ask me questions. <laughs> my dad loved me. He never abused me. But when my dad, he got tight with me and I'd better get my story straight. Or how about when you go to an interview for a job? They sit there and they got your resume. They got your application and they're looking across you at the, at the desk and they normally do this. They look at you over their glasses. I do that sometimes, but don't tell anybody I can't see you then, okay? <laughs> but it's still a lens effect. Can imagine Job and his friends, especially Job. Job says, look, you better get ready because I'm coming with the questions and you are going to give me answers. For instance, who are you? In retrospect and in, and in, and in ho the whole perspective, compared to God, we are little gnats living on a ball of mud flying through space. We think we're more important than we really are in some ways from a human perspective. And here is now God coming to one of these, His creation. Who are you? Notice what He goes on to say in verse 4. Where were you when I laid out the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. God's saying, when I created the world, where were you? Where were you? As a matter of fact, even before Genesis was written, 
we find God as the Creator. He says, I created the earth. Where were you when all this was going on anyway? Job's standing going, um, um, well, he continues, where were you? You know, we get all scientific. We get all agricultural. We get all knowledgeable. We think we know everything about everything. And when it comes to the creation of the world, we were nowhere in sight. We think we know how stuff should be. We get mad when it's too hot. We get mad when it's too cold. We complain when it rains too much. We complain when it doesn't rain at all. I'll never forget the greatest wisdom on weather I ever heard was I was watching the news one morning as we were snowed in on Sunday morning. I hate, I'm going to ask God one day and I'm going to get in trouble for it, but why do you always make it Sunday when it snows? Seems like we always have to cancel church. But I was watching NBC6 or something and they had this old dude on there. And the reporter said, well, what do you make of all this? What about all this? And the old guy just looked at the guy and said, I reckon God knows what he's doing. That is wisdom. God said, where, are, where were you, Job? You've got all these answers. You've got all these opinions. You've got all this education. Where were you when I started everything? Where were you? Who do you think you are? Where were you in the first place? He goes on to say, who determined its measurements? Speaking of the universe, surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? Talking about the measuring line. To what were its foundations fastened? And who laid its cornerstone when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy? Speaking of the angelic hosts. So the divine question can be summed up, who are you? Where were you? What are you? You know, we oftentimes go through our life thinking we're smarter than God. Yeah, God's Word says this, but I'm going to do that. God's Word tells me I should choose X, but I'm going to choose Y. And we follow after our own opinions, and we follow after our own philosophies, or we chase after politics, or we chase after celebrities, and God is up in heaven just wondering, who do they think they are? Why, we even have celebrity pastors and authors, men and women who tell us this is who God is and this is how you should think of Him. And the fact of the matter is, listen, God has revealed Himself to us. Now, yes, He's having a direct encounter with Job. You're saying, well, I'd like that. Well, He's given you another direct encounter. There are two ways God has revealed Himself to you and I. First of all, there's what is called general revelation. General revelation means that we can look at nature itself and see God's fingerprint. We can see the design in nature. We can see the ecosystem working. We understand the laws of physics, the laws of thermodynamics, the laws of gravity. We understand that these are laws, and if they are laws, it requires a lawmaker. God has revealed Himself in so many ways. Everything that He's created in this world, He created with a specific reason. It's not that He just got the ball rolling and left it. No, no, God is still actively involved in not only as Creator, but also sustainer. As a matter of fact, Paul says in Romans chapter 11, verse 36, For of Him and from Him and to Him are all things. For of Him, He is the Creator. 
through him, he is the sustainer. And to him, one day it will all culminate with him again. And so when we get so full of ourselves, when we get so full of our opinions, sometimes I believe God wants to know, who do you think you are? We have a revelation of God all around us. There's no reason for anyone to doubt there's a God. As a matter of fact, Paul tells us in Romans chapter 1, he says, though, the, though men see the world created around them, they still doubt the reality of God. So much so that we've made the creature an object of worship rather than the Creator. So who are you? Where were you when I started all of this? What are you? Imagine being Job. Babbling, trying to answer that. Even your mind racing, what in the world? Job has been through his swirl and suddenly he hears the voice of God thundering out of the whirlwind. Who do you think you are? Where were you when I did this? And what compared to me do you think you are? We don't take God seriously enough. We often talk about, well, I talked to the big man upstairs. God is not just the big man upstairs. God is God. He is the creator, the sustainer, the author and finisher of all that you see. He exists outside of space, outside of time, outside of manner, matter. He is transcendent above and beyond us. But you know what's amazing about God? While He's transcendent above and beyond us, He still comes to be close to us. In the Old Testament, He sent His prophets to communicate His love and grace and His warning. In the New Testament, He sent His Son, Jesus. God the Son who took on flesh. Despite the fact that man was fallen and broken and sinful, because of their own choice, I might add, God still came close to at hand, took on flesh and became a man and allowed Himself to die. According to Philippians 5, uh, 2, verses 5 through 11, He took on flesh, He died, He was obedient unto death. That's in the most, one, of the, one of those amazing phrases in the Bible. That God in flesh was obedient unto death. Especially the death of the cross. Jesus didn't die in battle. Jesus didn't die of sickness. Jesus died as a criminal. He died to take our criminality upon Himself. He was buried and rose again from the dead. And now God offers salvation to all who would come to Jesus by faith. He wants to spend an eternity with us. Can you believe that? The divine question, who are you? That you can go out and put all your opinions out there. Who are you to say, well, God doesn't like this. God doesn't care about this. I don't believe that. And then you're in trouble. If anybody wants to tell you an opinion about God and they say, I don't believe that God and then fill in the blank, you're in trouble. So God has revealed himself general, gen, generally in the world and in nature around us. But God has also revealed himself specifically in the written word of God. In the Bible that is on your lap or on your device right now. God has chosen to reveal Himself in the book that we have that goes from Genesis to Revelation. We're having a new members class on Sunday morning. We just finished it. 
And we talk about what we believe at West Concord. At West Concord Baptist Church, we believe that the Bible is God's Word. The Bible doesn't contain God's Word and the Bible doesn't become God's Word. The Bible is God's Word from cover to cover. We believe that the Bible is the verbal, plenary, inspired Word of God. What does that mean? Verbal, we believe that the words were the words that God chose the authors to use. The word plenary means all the words. In its original writings, God's Word is God's Word. And He's revealed it in His written Word. He's revealed Himself there. If you want to know the details about God, go to the Bible. Don't go to Facebook. Go to the Bible. Don't go to Instagram. Put down the commentary. Put down the lexicon. Go to the Bible. You say, Pastor, I don't understand all of it. You know what? I'm working on a doctorate and I don't understand all of it. But the amazing thing about the Bible is it's best commentary. The tough parts of the, of the Bible can be understood by the easier parts of the Bible because it's one unified message. And that unified message is the fall of humanity and the redemption of humanity through Christ. And one day the restoration of humanity to God. But for now, we need to understand God has revealed Himself. You have a direct confrontation, a direct uh, time with God with the Word. Not only His written Word, but His living Word, Jesus Christ. The Bible in the book of Hebrews calls Jesus the expressed image of God. Some people say, I wish God would put flesh on. He did! He put flesh on in the, in the city of Bethlehem when He was born in the manger. He lived in that flesh a totally sinless life until He allowed that flesh to be crucified and He allowed that flesh to die and to be buried. And that flesh and that body and Jesus rose again from the dead and He's alive. And one day, bodily, He's coming back. So God has revealed Himself and the divine question still stands, who are you? Where were you in creation and what are you? Well, God takes the next few chapters and He lays out just who He is. And I want to encourage you. We don't have time to do it this morning. But again, I want to encourage you to read the whole book of Job. But if you just don't have the time to do that, which I think you need to make time, it's that important, at least read chapters 38 through 42. Because God is going to basically tell Job who He is, what He is, and what He's about. He's going to lay it out for Job. And through chapters 38, 39, 40, and up until the beginning of 42, 41 and 42, Job goes to seminary. Job gets an education, and listen to me, Job gets an education, education that you and I need. Let's go to chapter 42. So let's jump over to 42. We've seen the direct encounter, and uh, Job has asked these questions. So let's go to verse uh, 1 of chapter 42. God, in the next chapters, gives an entire dissertation about who He is, what He's about, and what He wants. And finally, Job is now going to answer you know, if I were Job, I'd want to go crawl under a rock somewhere. I, I, I get nervous. Now people say, oh, pastor, you preach every Sunday. You don't look nervous. That's called acting. <laughs> I do get nervous. I get very nervous. Not because I'm scared of y'all. Y'all are my family. I get nervous because one day I'm going to have to stand before God and give an account of these messages I preach and the classes that I teach. And there's nothing in this world that makes me more nervous than that. I have to give an account of my pastoral leadership at this church. That scares me. 
And so I understand Job has heard this and God says, now I'm on an answer from you. I'm going to talk to you and now you're going to answer me. I want you to notice Job's answer with me this morning. So we saw this divine question. Here's the definitive answer. Look at this gives Job's character, by the way. Look what it says in verse 42, or chapter 42 and verse 1. It says, Then Job answered the Lord and said, You know, don't you think that these were the most important words Job has ever spoken in his life? Can I ask you, what are the most important words you've ever spoken in your life? Think about it. I don't want anybody to answer out loud because you might have to take a day or two to think about that. But right here we have Job's and his most important words because here he is talking to God. And quite frankly, when you and I pray, it's no different. We're talking to God. How many flippant prayers have we thrown off? How many just throw it, I got to pray, God says prayer, Lord, thank you for this day, thank you for my cereal, bless the day, bless my family, in Jesus' name, amen. We think we've done something. We think, oh man, I'm a prayer warrior. And it's not the length of a prayer that counts. Because this one, this answer is not very long. Look at verse uh, 1. He says, Then Job answered the Lord and said, notice his answer. I want you to notice, first of all, we see a true view of God. Job has gotten it. Verse 2, I know that you can do everything. Even in this most earliest book, God, Job understands that theology that God is omnipotent. All-powerful. And we're going to unpack some of that in the next few weeks. But right here, Job has already gotten his theological education from the greatest professor you can get it from, from God's lips to his ears, if you will. He says, I know that you can do everything. See, how does that affect us? How does that definitive answer? Do we believe that ourselves? The Bible says, Cast your care upon God, for He cares for you. We saw that in 1 Peter. Do we believe that? Some days I struggle. God loves you. The Bible tells us that. For God so loved the world. You're part of the world, so am I. But there are times when we feel like we're unloved and God doesn't care. We struggle with problems in life and God says, listen, just trust me and I'll get you through it. Remember the verse we repeated over and over again in our study of 1 Peter? And that was Proverbs chapter 5. Excuse me, Proverbs 3, verses 5 through 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not under your own understanding and in all your ways acknowledge Him for He will direct your paths. The reason why I read that verse beginning of every message is because we were talking about traversing this journey with God. Do we know that God can do everything? Job did. Verse 2, I know you can do everything and that no purpose of yours can be withheld from you. In other words, God not only can do everything, but He's going to do what He wants to do. So not only is God omnipotent and all-powerful, God is sovereign. What does that mean? That, mean God, that means God runs the universe. Nothing happens in this universe, in this world, in your life, that God hasn't either allowed or caused to happen. Sovereignty of God. He has a permissive will. In other words, His will sometimes may permit things into your life that are difficult. He also has a perfect will. That means he, He's going to do certain things in your life that may be good or difficult. But whatever happens, God is in control. You know, you can be like Jonah and think, well, God wants me to do this, but I'm getting out of town. I'm running. 
Can you imagine Jonah thought he could run from God? Y'all know the story. God caught him with a fish. I used to go fishing. Every chance I get, I like to go fishing when I go down to Tampa. Here's a man that not, he went fishing all right, but he was the bait and the fish caught him because God used it. I know you can do everything and I know no purpose of yours can be withheld from you. You ask, who is this who counsels without knowledge? Who am I? Who do I think I am? So first of all, in his definitive answer, Job gives the right answer. He gives a true view of God. He realizes that God is all-powerful and God is sovereign. And let me submit this to you. Most believers in Jesus Christ today don't really believe that. We don't. We don't believe God is all-powerful, that God is sovereign. We act like that every day. We live as though that's not true. Because we treat God's commands in Scripture as though they were suggestions. We treat God's moral teachings as though they were just guidelines. We don't believe God is sovereign, that God is allowed because of His sovereignty to call the shots. Fact of the matter is, God can do anything He wants to do with us. God can bless us. God can curse us. God can take us out of this world if He wants to for His own purposes. But pastor, God is not, God, you know, God is not bad. God is good. Let me make your head hurt a little bit. Sometimes even calling God good is not correct. Because what we're doing is we're measuring God by human standards of goodness. Here's the thing, God is God. And He is goodness personified whether we think it's good or not. Whatever God chooses to do is good because God chooses to do it. He is the Creator. So we just go along and we take God's Word as though it were suggestive or helpful when we need it. We run to it when we're hurting. We hit that bell or whatever. And we don't realize God is sovereign. God is all-powerful. And Job was getting a true view of who God is. That's what we're going to try to do over the next few weeks. We're going to just search out God's Word and we're going to see if we can't get a true view of who God is. And we're going to try to see how that can affect us as we live. I guarantee if we actually lived as though there were an omnipotent, sovereign God, things would be different in many of our lives. True view of God. In his answer, he saw that, but not only that, he gave a true view of humanity against God, up against God as compared to God. He goes on to say, verse 3, Therefore I have uttered what I did not understand. Hello, Facebook. Hello, Instagram. Hello, my friend Fred's opinion. Hello, my favorite celebrity pastor. Hey, listen, that's why I encourage you to bring a Bible with you to church. And now that we're moving past some COVID things, we're going to put Bibles and hymnals under the pews again, under the chairs. These aren't pews, these are chairs. And uh, I want you to follow me in your Bible. Don't take my word for it. I'm no smarter or better than you are. Check me out, as Barney Fife would say, Ange, hold the book on me. Don't just trust my opinion. My opinion's no better or worse than yours are. Yours is, or yours are, your opinions. He says, I have uttered what I did not understand. How often are we guilty of that? 
God doesn't care about the moral choices people make. After all, He's just up there. He's God. He doesn't. God doesn't care whether you go to church Sunday or not. God's not interested in your tithe. God's not interested in whether you pray. God doesn't. Really? Boy, we have a lot of people who know the mind of God, don't we? It's a shame it's contradictory to His Word. Yes, therefore I've uttered words what I did not understand. Things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. Had, listen, go back and read those chapters I told you to read. As God Himself demonstrated Himself, spoke of Himself, revealed His attributes, His character, His nature. Job was just blown away by that. Things too wonderful for me which I did not know. I go back to Paul in the book of Romans in chapter 11. Paul takes the first 11 chapters and deals with doctrine. Now you talk to most Christians today and they'll say, dude, doctrine's boring. We don't do doctrine. It's not emotional enough. We don't need to feel full with the head. We need to deal with the heart. That sounds all wonderful, doesn't it? Paul took those first 11 chapters of Romans and dealt with sin, salvation, sanctification, and Paul was so full of the Word of God and so full of the wonderful... Paul just had a revival fit at the end of Romans 11. And Paul just said, for of him and from him and through him are all things. Emotion is not a bad thing, but it must respond properly to the truth. Look at verse 4. He said, listen, please, let me speak. You said, I will question you and you shall answer me. Job's getting a little brave, isn't he? Look at verse 5. You have heard by, or excuse me, I have heard by you, or heard of you by the hearing of the ear. He said, I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear. What does that mean? Well, he had his buddies there telling him all about God. And that's a problem even in our culture today. It's always been. There's always some guy, some girl, some lady, some man, some company, some group that's going to tell you all about God. And yes, even at the church, we teach and preach about God, but hopefully we do it based on His Word. But I'll guarantee you this, most people, most believers, when they go out of this building, they are going to listen more to their friends on Facebook and Instagram than they will on God's book. Well, my friend Bob said this. Oh, well, you know, that sounds pretty good to me. Job said, I've heard a lot about you from hearing things. But look what he says. But now my eyes see you. And Job actually could not even look upon the glory and majesty of God fully because it would have killed him. We know that from other places in Scripture. But as God has revealed himself to Job, Job sees it. He sees God. He sees Him. But now my eyes see you. He got a big eye full of God, who He was, a head full of God, what He's about, a heart full of God. What does He want? And I want you to notice Job's reaction here as we finish. Verse 6. Therefore, I abhor myself. I abhor myself. What does that word abhor mean? Well, it's from the Hebrew, and it's ma'as, and it basically means I despise myself. I despise myself. 
See, here's the thing. We talk about, oh, I had an experience with God. And I get a lot of stories about people, oh, I experienced with God and He took me to the mountaintop. I had experience with God and it was such a wonderful thing. I was so filled with love and joy. I had an experience with God and it was so warm and so this and that. Go through the Bible. Go through the Old Testament specifically, but the New Testament as well. And read about genuine experiences with God's presence. You will find no warmth, no fuzzies, no puppies. You will not hear the, hear the birds chirping or smell the bread. More often than not, when humanity encounters the presence of God, it's a difficult thing. Because when the white hot holiness of God comes into clear view, we see ourselves with all of our flaws, with all of our selfishness, with all of our pride, with all the stains of our sin, with all of the rough edges that we've encountered bouncing about in life without God. It is not a pleasant experience. It's not a pleasant experience. I think of Isaiah chapter 6. When spiritually he found himself in the throne room of God, he says his voice thundered and filled the, the heavens and it shook the pillars of the heavenly temple. The train of his presence filled the throne room. And what was Isaiah's reaction? I am an unclean man, dwelling amidst of unclean people and I have unclean lips. Job said, I abhor myself, I despise myself, and repent in dust and ashes. And that word in the Hebrew for repent literally means regret, sorrow. I am not what I thought I was. I am not who I thought I was. And all the little houses of cards that I've built up about you, Lord, they're gone. This is the response God is looking for 4,000 years later today. Same God. This God that encountered Job in this direct encounter is the same God that we pretend to worship here. And yet we treat Him so flippantly. We act so casually. The big man upstairs. We throw off our... Comfortable prayers. We, we talk about, well, Sunday's my day for the Lord, but Saturday's my day to do what I want. Really? We talk about secular music and secular this and sacred music and sacred that. Let me tell you something. God owns it all. Psalm 24, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Everywhere and all that dwell therein. It's all, there is no such thing as secular. We only secularize something or, or make it godless when we take it from Him and rob Him of it. It's all God's. So Job got a real look as to who God was. The definitive answer, he got a true view of God. You are all-powerful and you are king. You are sovereign. You are the boss. And me, God... I'm nothing. I'm nothing. Matter of fact, compared to you, Lord, I despise myself. By the way, that's where salvation really starts. We come to the place where we see ourselves as we really are before God.
But you know what's amazing? God still loves us. God still loves us. If He didn't, we wouldn't be having this story right now today. We wouldn't be sharing this incident from 4,000 years ago. He wouldn't have taken on flesh living amongst us and dying for us. It wouldn't have happened. But we will not truly understand God until we truly understand God. And you're not going to get it from Facebook or some celebrity's book, even if I wrote a book. There are great teachers out there, yes. There are godly men and women who provide wonderful education as long as it's Bible-centered and Bible-focused. So here's the bottom line from philosopher and writer C.S. Lewis, one of my favorite authors. He said, in God, you come up against something which is in every respect immeasurably superior to yourself. You and I, in God, we come up against someone who in every respect is immeasurably superior to ourselves. We're not smarter than God. Well, God, your word says this, but I don't think that's really true. Really? God, you want me to, to pray. You want me to live morally correct by your word. But I, I, you know, I'm going to do what I want to do. God's saying, who do you think you are? Where were you when I created everything? What do you think you are? Lewis goes on to say, unless you know God as that, in other words, immeasurably superior, and therefore know yourself as nothing in comparison, you do not know God at all. We expect God to perform at our whim. We pray and think God then is going to jump and do what we want Him to do. We don't understand when God doesn't perform the way we want Him to perform. Read the book of Job and find out that's what Job's friends and Job himself were also involved in. But God stepped up and He answered. So here's today's question as we finish this morning. Do you really know God? Do we really know God? Oh, we know the flannel graph ideas of God. We know the Sunday school version of God. We know God as we want Him. Really, we've boxed Him up. We've, we've put Him there. We've wrapped it. We put a sweet spiritual bow on it. Do we really know God? Because listen, if we really knew God the way He reveals Himself in nature and in Scripture, we, most of us, would not be what we are today. Our choices would change radically. The direction in our lives would change radically. We would not be who we were after we met Him. That's why Jesus said, you will know them by their fruit. That's why James says, you show your faith by your works. you got to wonder if somebody who says they've met the living, true God, that they live like they did before they met Him. got to wonder. I'm not the editor of anybody's salvation, neither are you, but you got to wonder. 
So for the next few weeks, we're going we're gonna to look at Scripture and see what it says about God. My challenge to you today, and I believe God's challenge to me and to all of us together, is what are we going to do with this information? How is it going to make us? How is it going to change us? So what I think God is calling us to do this morning is to decide today that we're going to do whatever it takes to get to know God. We're going to decide whatever it takes to get in the Scriptures. Yes, it means changing our schedule. Yes, it means not doing something we might have wanted to do or needed to do. Because I submit to you this morning the most important task that you and I have before us, especially we who say we're believers, is to know God. To know about Him, to know who He is, and to know what He wants. Oh, you can go on your way and do what you're doing now and life will be fine and easy. But life is brief. Eternity is long. There are decisions that need to be made. So I believe God is calling us this morning, come and know me. Come and learn of me. And so that's what we're going to do. But today, it's going to, you're going to have to decide that you're going to do the extra legwork today. Do you know God at all? Have you come to the place where you realize you're lost, broken? Without God, you're nothing. Against God, you're despicable. That's hard to swallow, isn't it? Well, here's some exciting news. In spite of that, He still loves you. He still loves you. Isn't that cool? Against all that, he still loved, he loved Job enough to enter into a conversation with him. Read the end of Job, by the way, because Job felt that sorrow. He was brokenhearted, and the Bible says God restored him doubly what he lost. Does that mean God's going to do that with you? No, not necessarily. This is Job. You're not Job. Neither am I. God will work in you the way he chooses to work. But I will tell you this. The closer you draw to God, the more difficult it is to see yourself as you are. But if you keep going and allow Him and yield to Him, God will make such a change in your life that what you're experiencing now is nothing compared to what you can be in Christ. So it's up to you to make that decision. Let's pray. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Father, we thank You for this time together today. Father, I pray that everybody in the sound of my voice knows Jesus as his or her Savior. I pray that they have made that decision and cast their full confidence in him to take them to heaven. And Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters in Christ who made that decision. But Lord, do we know you the way we should? I know I don't. Help me, Father, as your, as your, as your son, as your, as your child, to draw closer to you. Lord, I want to know more about you. And Father, I know and I realize because I'm humanly limited, I won't know everything. I won't have that full revelation of you till I get to heaven. But Father, help me to know everything I fully can know now. May that be and continue to be my life's aim. Lord, fall upon this church. Bless it. Thank you, Lord, for this time. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. For additional sermon resources and to find out who we are, visit us online at westconcordchurch.com. Thanks for listening.